Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion and society have deviated from the Bible. Differing Things will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their creator. Now for today's host, Bill Petrie. Before I begin today's edition of Differing Things, I want to share with you some exciting news. In the next few weeks, we will soon have a media presence. Not just any media presence, social media presence. We will be on Instagram so that you can follow us and keep up to date on what we are doing. I'll have more details as we get closer to the launch date of our Instagram program. Today, I want to talk about gender, which is God's poem of beauty. In Hebrew, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, is composed of three lines of four words each. In English, this very first poem in the Bible reads like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The great drama of creation, moving from scene to scene, day to day, propelled by the powerful word of God, suddenly pauses. God deliberates within himself, within his very nature, and then creates his masterpiece, his poem, his work of art, humanity. We are meant to pause as well and to consider the beauty of his creation, of us. Three truths ring out in God's poem. So God created man in his own image. The first line puts the emphasis on God's creative work. God created us. We are not cosmic accidents. We are designed by an artist. We are designed for a purpose. Our complexity, our symmetry, our beauty, all point to the handiwork of our creator. The wonder of the human body should be enough to show us that we are a fantastic creation. Psalm chapter 139, verse 14 states it this way. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows that very well. Isaac Newton even said, in the absence of any other proof, 
the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. In the image of God, he created him. The second line puts the emphasis on our uniqueness and value. We are created in his image. We are supposed to stop and say, whoa, we are in his image. We reflect him in our nature, having intellect, emotions, and will. We represent him in our position, ruling, and stewarding his creation. And we can have relationship with him, knowing him, and loving him, and being intimately known and eonianly loved. We have value, not because of what we do, but simply because of who we are, image bearers of the Creator God, designed we are designed to be that. God designed the human body to be capable of housing his very son. Indeed, we are true image bearers. The writer of 1 Chronicles 22.5 states this reality with these words. The house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent. Genesis teaches us several things about the image of God, what I call image bearing. First, both men and women are equally included. Second, divine image bearing is what makes humankind distinct from the rest of earthly creations, such as plants and animals. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 states, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 does not inform us that divine image bearing makes us distinct from heavenly beings. Those sons of God were already in existence at the time of creation. The plurals in Genesis 1 verse 26 mean that in some way we share something with them when it comes to bearing God's image. Third, there is something about the image that makes humanity like God in some way. And fourth, there is nothing in the text to suggest that the image has been or can be bestowed incrementally or partially. You are either created as God's image bearer or you are not. One cannot speak of being partly or potentially bearing God's image. Among the list of proposed answers to what image-bearing means are a number of abilities or properties. 
intelligence, reasoning, ability, emotions, communion, communing with God, self-awareness, language, and communication ability, and free will. The problem with defining the image by any of these qualities is that on one hand, non-human beings like animals possess some of these abilities, although not to the same extent as humans. If one animal anywhere, at any time, learned anything contrary to instinct or communicated intelligently to us or within species or displayed an emotional response again to us or other creatures, those items must be ruled out as image-bearing. We know certain animals have these abilities because of carefully conducted research in the field of animal cognition. Artificial intelligence is on the verge of similar breakthroughs. And if intelligent extraterrestrial life is ever discovered, that would also undermine such definitions. Defining image-bearing as any ability is a flawed approach. This brings me back to my pro-life assertion. The pro-life position is based on the proposition that human life, and so personhood, begins at conception, the point when the female egg is fertilized by the male sperm. The simple-celled zygote inside the woman's womb, which pro-lifers believe to be a human person, is not self-aware, it has no intelligence, rational thought processes, or emotions. It cannot speak or communicate. It cannot commune with God or pray, and it cannot exercise its will or respond to the conscience. If you want to argue that those things are there potentially, then that means that you have only a potential person. That's actually the pro-choice position. Potential personhood is not actual personhood. This thought process would mean that abortion is not killing until personhood is achieved, which nearly all pro-choicers would certainly consider to be after birth. Even the sole idea fails the uniqueness and actuality tests. This notion derives from the traditional rendering of Genesis 2-7 in the King James Version, and the man became a living soul. The Hebrew word translated soul is nephesh. According to the Bible, animals also possess the nephesh. For example, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, when we read that God made swarms of living creatures, the Hebrew text underlying creatures is nephesh. Genesis chapter 1 verse 30 tells us the living nephesh is in animals. The term nephesh in these passages 
means conscious life or animate life as opposed to something like plant life. Humans share a basic consciousness with certain animals, though the nature of that consciousness varies widely. We also cannot appeal to a spirit, being the meaning of image-bearing. The word nefesh we just considered is used interchangeably with the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach. Examples include 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, and Job chapter 7, verse 11. Both terms speak of an inner life where thinking, reason, and emotions occur, along with their use in activities like prayer and decision-making. The point is that the Old Testament does not distinguish between soul and spirit. All these qualities associated with spirit require cognitive function and so cannot be relevant until after brain formation and use in the fetus. So how do we understand divine image bearing in a way that does not stumble over these issues and yet aligns with the description in Genesis. Hebrew grammar is the key. The turning point is the meaning of the proposition in, with respect to the phrase in the image of God. In English, we use the proposition in to denote many different ideas. That is, in does not always mean the same thing when we use that word. For example, if I say, put the dishes in the sink, I am using the proposition to denote location. If I say, I broke the mirror in pieces, I am using in to denote the result of some action. If I say I work in education, I am using the proposition to denote that I work as a teacher or principal or in some other educational capacity. This last example directs us to what the Hebrew proposition translated in means in Genesis 1 verse 26. Humankind was created as God's image. If we think of imaging as a verb or function, that translation makes sense. We are created to image God, to be his imagers. It is what we are by definition. The image is not an ability we have, but a status. We are God's representatives on earth. To be human is to image God. This 
And this alone is why Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, is followed by what many Bible scholars call the dominion mandate in verse 28. The verse informs us that God intends us to be him on this planet. We are to create more imagers, be fruitful and multiply, fill. In order to oversee the earth by stewarding its resources and harnessing them for the benefit of all human imagers, subdue and rule over. This is what it means to be in the image of God. And third, male and female, he created them. The third line of that very first poem puts the emphasis on our complementary design. We are male and female. We are created equal in essence, but different in design. As Dr. Paula Johnson noted in her TED Talk, speaking of the unique medical needs of men and women, and I quote her, Every cell has a sex. That means men and women are different down to the cellular and molecular level. We're different across all of our organs. End of quote. Gender is at the core of who we are. We are created differently in order to complement one another, to complete one another, to need one another. We are made for relationship, not only with God, but also with each other. Two different beings experiencing oneness through relationship. Biologically fitting together one man and one woman and miraculously creating new life. This is God's poetry and it is beautiful. So why does it not feel that way? Why do people struggle with their identity? Why do people doubt our value? Why do we feel insecurity? We do not always feel comfortable in our own skin, and some possibly in their own gender. The rhythm and the rhyme of God's poem were interrupted by sin. The beauty of Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is marred by the tragedy of chapter 3. The artistry of God's handiwork 
has been defaced. We still bear his image, but sin has left its ugly stain. Like a Word document opened in the wrong program, the divine poem has been scrambled, jumbled, mangled. We feel the effects of the fall. We live it. We experience it. We lament it. But the solution to our insecurity and confusion and pain is not the redefinition of gender. It is not the rejection of the poet or the resignation to a life of ambiguity. The solution is redemption. What was lost in Adam is refound in Jesus Christ. The one who wrote the original poem entered into humanity in order to reveal the words delete the dark lines of sin, and rewrite the rhythm and rhyme in our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that we can have a certainty and a surety and a life with God that has meaning and purpose. And not only does it have meaning and purpose, but it takes away confusion. It takes away worthlessness, and it gives us a sense of what we can be. The Apostle Paul writes, <clears throat> For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Simply believing that and trusting that places you into a relationship with Jesus Christ that can never be broken. It allows what was lost in Adam to be refound in our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul also writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them male and female, equal in essence, different in design, broken, confused, conflicted, separated by sin, remade, renewed, restored, redeemed by Christ. This is God's poetry, and it is still beautiful. Please follow us and give us a like. Good day and God bless.
We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.